0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Balls, Bats and Pucks podcast. I'm your host Stephen Edwards and today I'm delighted to be joined by a good friend of mine from Lindy Sports and one of my fellow Sportshead TV presenters, Simon Millam. Simon, how's it going? Steve, good to hear you. How are you? Everything good? Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, we normally catch up in person when we're um, doing the Sportshead stuff. So um, I thought I'd get you on to talk some NFL because I don't really get much chance to talk about it and you're the man to talk to.
1: Ah, so they say. <laughs> but uh, no, you know your NFL stuff as much as I do. But we, are, we have great fun at the sports, listening to your uh, NBA shows. So, um, yeah, we get the NFL stuff and you get the NBA stuff. So it'd be nice to hear your thoughts on the NFL as well.
0: Yeah, this is it. So we've just had week 13. We've only got four weeks mm. to go now. So it's in the, you know, the final straight, as it were, of, of the NFL season. But before we start talking about like playoffs, anything like that, let's talk New York Giants. This has just been an absolute fiasco for a while now. What's your thoughts Mm. on the whole thing around the Eli Manning benching? And obviously, we just found out this week that McAdoo and Reese have both been fired.
1: Yes, of course, uh, Ben McAdoo was uh, given the blame for um, benching Eli Manning after 210 straight games. I mean, they on Monday, they dispensed with uh, head coach Ben McAdoo. That was the day after a 24-17 defeat to the Raiders, uh, and that left them 2-10 and ten on the season. Uh, they also fired Jerry Reese. Um, that's been a long time coming as well. He's been with that organisation since um, 1994, and I think that's actually their first mid-season firing since about 1976. Uh, I think what they're going to do now is um, Ken Abraham. Oh, sorry, Kevin Abrahams is going to be uh, serving as the interim GM till the end of the season. I think that's the key thing for them is making sure that they get a GM in place. And um, they brought back Steve Spagnolo who's uh, going to serve as uh, an interim head coach till the end of the season. Um, but you look at you look at the the Giants. The whole situation with Eli Manning was was totally mishandled. But, I mean, I go back to the start of the season. Three games up to week five. They could easily have been won. I mean, they, they were beaten by Philadelphia. They lost by three. They lost by two to Tampa Bay. They lost by five to the Chargers. We could be talking about a totally different scenario if the if the ball bounces the other way. I mean, you look at how hard they've been playing. I mean, they beat the Chiefs two weeks ago. They only lost by a score to the Raiders on the road. That was after Eli's been benched. Um, so, you know, after an, an 0-5 start that was when the injuries started hitting. And I'm not sure anyone, including Jerry Reese, saw this collapse coming. I mean, they, they sort of improved their roster at the start of the season. They added a few receivers. They added the tight ends. Um, you know, the defense, that had propelled them to, what, 11 victories last year and the playoffs. And everyone assumed that would pick up where it left off. But uh, it, it hasn't been that way. And it is fine lines in the NFL, Steve.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, do you think that last year's um, 11-5 record wasn't a great help from going into this season because maybe the expectations were maybe a bit too high. And then, of course, you have those close losses and then all of a sudden it was like, well, these are games you should have won. Why aren't you winning them?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, there could be a little bit, complacency but I think you know to be fair I mean they've, they have had an awful lot of injuries I mean they've got no running game to speak of they've the offensive line has been well basically offensive um, and you know the receivers have been hurt as well you know Beckham's gone down I mean I think a lot of it is is on the coaching side of things as well I mean you know you sh- it's next man up in the NFL but uh, I think when McAdoo benches Manning, um, you know, he's been having a dig at him all season when he's got no weapons to speak of, but then he doesn't stand up to the likes of Odell Beckham Jr. When he should have done that sends a message in the locker room. And I'm, although I'm, you know, in one hand, I'm saying they're still playing hard for whoever's in charge. Um, it does send a message in the locker room that, you know, the superstars, some superstars are looked up to and, and others are looked down upon. And maybe it's because of Manning's character, you know, he's, he's softly spoken. He is a leader, but he's an absolute class. and He's an easy target for McAdoo really. And I think it's just been totally mishandled. And it, it really doesn't surprise me that he's gone. Um, but, you know, when all said and done, They've missed the playoffs for the last... Well, this season will be... Um, missed the playoffs for the five years out of the last six. So, I mean, as I said, the the GM search is going to be crucial. Um, Mara likes his GM to make um, personnel decisions. And uh, they've hired um, general manager Ernie Acorsi as a, a consultant. He's a former uh, Giants GM, of course. Uh, so, they've got him in as a consultant. So, hopefully, the wheels will be set in motion. I mean, I've got some thoughts on... Um, who will be brought in as GM. I don't know what your thoughts are, Steve, first.
0: I don't know. I think it's it's going to be an interesting search. I think you bring up Mara there for a moment. I mean, Mara came out and said, didn't he, that he could have overridden the decision on the benching of Manning, Mm. but it wasn't kind of his place to do so, which I think is quite interesting. Although we do know he's very much an Eli Manning fan. And and no surprise here, Manning Mm. is going to be brought back in for this weekend's game, which it needs to happen against the Cowboys because... A statement's going to be made, but I just before we talk about general managers, I've got another thought on this. Mm. For me, I think the Giants' issues go back to the Coughlin era because Coughlin was a guy that
1: you the couldn't tutorial. get rid of. You didn't mess with him, do you? No, you didn't mess with
0: him. This is it. You couldn't get rid of couldn't get rid of him. He was a guy that had bought success as part mm. of that team, and they didn't really prepare for what was going to happen after that. And I still think like next season, last season didn't really mm. help them, but general manager search I think is going to be interesting I mean um, at mm. the moment I'm not too sure how they're going to go and get
1: I think I mean number one on if I'm if you know if I if I'm in John Mara's position I, I go for top of the pile is has got to be Eric DeCosta. I mean he shadowed um, Ozzy Newsom in Baltimore um, he's already turned down a few offers I mean it's a, it's a big job but the great thing about the Giants is it's an ideal one especially for him I mean the Giants have got generally they're a very stable organization they've got the finances they're very patient i mean in the short term you've got a star receiver in beckham and an experienced quarterback if he stays in eli manning and and they're also going to have a decent draft pick or two but you know the search will also be centering on the likes of chris polian he's worked with his father bill at indianapolis uh, for a couple of years back in 2009 to 11 i believe um he's currently the player personnel manager at jacksonville and, you know, New England, another one with New England connections, Scott Pioli was at New England. He was the personnel boss um, up there between 2001, 2008. And uh, he was also at, as a general manager at the Chiefs and is now an assistant general manager in Atlanta. So he obviously knows his stuff. Um, and also the one on the market still still out there is John Dorsey. He was let go by Kansas City in June. So those those are sort of four names to the frame. But if you know if I'm a betting man, which I am, I'd, I'd be putting my money on an an all out blitz for uh, Eric DeCosta at Baltimore. We'll this, see what happens with that. This
0: is it. It's be interesting exactly how that pans out. So let's move away f- let's move away from the Giants and let's talk about a franchise that's more close to our heart. And again, <laughs> this
1: has been an absolute. You, know, you mean our broken hearts, Steve, our broken hearts.
0: Broken hearts <laughs> and, and everything else. I mean, this has been an absolute disaster right from the moment that Ryan Tannehill got hurt. Did mm. the Dolphins in the first instance make the right decision to go and get Cutler or a quarterback that was going to basically just play for them for one season? And what have you actually made of how this Dolphin season has unraveled?
1: Well, it's been one thing after another, as you say, I mean, when, when you lose your starting quarterback and regardless, I'm, I'm not a great Ryan Tannehill fan. I think he's not, he's not bad for a receiver as a quarterback, but uh, he's certainly for me, he's uh, not progressed as I'd expect him to in these, these first five years. Um, Jay Cutler, they've overpaid, I think certainly at uh, 10 million. I mean, the, the knock on Cutler is he's always been good between the twenties, but his, his red zone efficiency isn't his thing. His demeanor isn't necessarily great with a knocker room. Um, and, uh, He's just not not you know certainly not worth the money at ten million. Um, and of course, so there has been a spiraling of things. I mean, you you look at you go back to the start pre season. Raquan McMillan was injured. I mean, he was out for the season after playing just one snap. And that's your middle linebacker gone. So basically, you've lost your quarterback on your defense. You've lost your quarterback, and your starting quarterback as well. That's not going to help you out. Um, they didn't put a premium value on uh, offensive guards. I mean, they went cheap really with Ted Larson and uh, Jamar Bushrod. Um, and third day pick um isaac asiata th- that basically is equated to a, a bunch of turnstiles and they can't run block well either which is a real issue uh, they've got a really high priced defensive line i mean and damik sue cameron wake you've got first round pick charles harris they spent big money on free agent andre branch who's produced five sacks and i'm sorry for eight million dollars $8 million or whatever it is i'm not buying that for five sacks um they've had two good draft picks in uh, Devon Godshow. Uh, He's going to be a good player and Jordan Phillips, but really the production from what you'd think from paying for an elite line has been in far from elite. That defense is 30th in the NFL with 18 sacks. I mean, that's, that's not good. What they should have done was actually, it was a big mistake not to pay Brandon Albert, what he wanted. Um, I think that that was a, a big key figure. I think coaching wise, There have been one or two strange decisions. I thought Kiko Alonso played well at middle linebacker. um, And then they went and changed his position. I mean, you know, he's not that great in coverage, to be perfectly honest. Um, But then also they lost offensive line coach Chris Forster. He resigned after a video appeared, which uh, showed him apparently (laughs) snorting a substance. And, And for me, they still don't have a true identity. But on the plus side, Steve... Adam Gase, I think, has changed the culture. And this team is still playing hard for him. So that, that for me, it has been one thing after another with the Dolphins. And, and uh, we seem to get these every other season. So hopefully next season will be a little bit better.
0: I mean, I hope so. I mean, I think after last season, again, you talk about like a, a team maybe overachieving, like the Giants did last year. Mm, yeah, Dolphins definitely. The definitely yeah. And definitely yeah, They weren't expected
1: just, to do anything last year at all.
0: No. And he come here with those expectations and obviously Tannehill getting hurt. And I think for me... I think, had you not had that, I think maybe you'd have stuck with Matt Moore. You wouldn't have gone and got a guy like Jay Cutler, which I've said before and I'll say it again. For me, I bet he was sitting on the beach... Sipping pina coladas and just going.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, ten million for a year is 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 vastly overpaid. I mean, to be fair, you know, he fits in the Adam Gase uh, structure. Um, We know what we're going to get with Cutler. You know, you know he's going to be good between the twenties, but he's always going to throw a couple of interceptions every game. Um, But I think you know, once once you retire, you've got that mindset. You're retired, and that's that. You know, you. you, It wasn't as if he was forced to retire. He 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 took that decision himself. Um, So. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think they'll, you know, they'll they'll bumble along till the end of the season. But like I say, I mean the, you know, the team is still playing hard for guys. That's one one good thing. And uh, you know, they have, you know, got some big games coming up, but obviously playoffs are well out of the question now. Um, but I, I you know, I'm a big fan of Adam Gase. Um, I I think he's learned a lot this year and one thing he's got to learn is not to throw his players under a bus. But fortunately, they've still sort of uh, not turned on him. I think uh, long term he is and he's going to be a great coach for him.
0: Yeah, and I think this is it. As long as they stick with him and, you know, kind of ride out this storm and then see exactly what next season looks like and Mm. obviously make some noise, hopefully in the draft, and maybe for the agency, then we'll just see how that looks in in 2018. But you mentioned the playoffs there. Obviously, that's not going to involve the Dolphins, but we'll stay in the AFC. Mm. You've got the Steelers and the Patriots at one and two. They've got a big game coming up in week 15. So who do you think (laughs) is going to get that top seed?
1: Um, I think the Patriots will probably get that top seed. I mean, there was a you know the Steelers had a couple of injuries last night in that uh, result against uh, uh, the close game um, against Cincinnati. Um, but um, I think those two have got it locked up. I don't. The seedlings won't matter. I mean, who performs on the day really? I think um, you know it, it really won't make an awful lot of difference. I still think the Steelers. Steelers on the road. There's always a bit of a knock about Ben Roethlisberger whether or not he can go on the road and win in the playoffs. So it is it's probably more. Uh, vital for the Steelers than it is uh, for the Patriots, who we know can uh, um, win on the road. But the AFC playoff race itself is really fascinating. I mean, I, I've got it between, I think two teams from the AFC South are going to go, Tennessee and Jacksonville. Absolutely. And I think um, the Ravens, but they've got to play the Steelers away, the Browns away, the Colts and the Bengals at home. So I think really that the Ravens are in prime spot. But the, the biggest key, uh, the biggest battle anyway, is is over in the AFC West where the Raiders, the Chargers and the Chiefs are all at six and six, just one game behind uh, the Ravens. Um, and the Bills are also one games behind in the AFC East, but they still got to play the Dolphins twice and the Patriots as well as the Colts this weekend. So it's a fascinating uh, battle, and, and one of the key ones this weekend is going to be the Raiders at the Chiefs. I mean, the Raiders are ninth seed, believe it or not, and the, and the Chiefs are a fourth seed, and yet uh, they've still got uh, the same record. Um, the Chiefs have actually got three home games. They've got to play the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Dolphins before a, a week 17 trip to Denver, who are in in a tailspin, So and the Dolphins aren't great, so I think really it's a case of Kansas City. If they split one between the Raiders and the Chargers, and uh, they beat the Dolphins in Denver, they could actually still go to, to the playoffs, but uh, they they're in a bit of a slump at the moment, um, and and the Raiders they they got the toughest schedule of the three. I think they've got to they've got to face the Chiefs obviously away. They've got the Cowboys still to play at home. They've also got to go to the Eagles and the Chargers. So the Raiders have much the toughest schedule for me. It's whether or not it's a toss up between Kansas City and uh, the Chargers for that. Um, that division really um, and who goes to the playoffs I mean the Chargers have got to play the Redskins at home they've got to face the Chiefs away then they've got to go to the Jets away and they've also got to play the Raiders at home so I think despite the tailspin I think um, Kansas City is still actually in, in prime position after after the week uh, week 13 results
0: see as Simon's just like stolen most of my points about the AFC oh sorry NFL. mate <laughs> I just rambled on for a bit. No, 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 no. (laughs) The thing is I I perfectly agree with you because I think for this time of the year, I tend to look at home games being the most important thing. I mean, the Chiefs have got this interesting schedule where they have these three straight home games and then they go to Denver. And I think exactly the same thing. I think they'll beat Miami on Week 16. I think they'll go into Denver on Week 17 and win that. As long as they Mm. win one out of the two against the Raiders and the Chargers, I think they will probably be absolutely fine. The yeah. Chargers, on the other hand, I think they'll beat Washington at home. Obviously, then there's that big key game on Week mm. 15 at Kansas City because I think they can, they'll go into the Jets and win that. They'll beat mm-hmm. the Raiders in that. So that is the big game. Although I've kind of got the Raiders still in the mix and obviously they're still tied to the division lead, they, for yeah. me, are the outsider because I think they will probably lose against Kansas City this weekend. Yeah, OK, they'll beat Dallas, but then they've got to go to Philadelphia. That's mm. not going to be easy.
1: And it depends if, It depends what, you know, as far as the Eagles go. I mean, it, it totally depends on whether or not they're going to be resting players. Yeah. You know, I, I think the hard, the hardest game for them is obviously the last one is the Chargers, you know, because that could be a winner take all. It de- totally depends on how, you know, I can see the Chiefs losing this game this weekend. I mean, I know they're, they're favoured by four points, but I can, you know, even if they lose, I still think they've got every chance of, of um, winning the last three and, and taking that division.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, obviously, the Chiefs are kind of like falling off a cliff. I mean, at the start mm. of the season, the Chiefs look great. They beat the Patriots. We were talking about them being, you know, a contender in the AFC. Now, all of a sudden, they cannot win.
1: Doesn't two no key injuries there Steve I think for me I mean Chris Conley is going to be the one that's uh, people say what you know what are you talking about Chris Conley is a wide receiver who stretches the field which makes uh, it just frees everything up for the likes of Travis Kelsey over the middle of the tight end and and also Eric Berry I mean we you know they bumbled along okay at the start of the season without him but uh, we thought long term it would hit them and uh, it appears to have done that um, Eric Berry is a key component um, and, uh, so that, that's probably why the Chiefs are finding life a little bit difficult but I still you know I expected them to beat the Jets and they didn't and I still expect them to come through, though. Now, having you know, having changed my mind after last weekend, uh, which or before last weekend rather, um, I thought they played you know relatively hard against. Uh, but also, the you know the issue is. Um, you know, player throwing a, a yellow hanky into, um, you know, Peter's throwing a, a yellow hanky into into the crowd. I mean, it just, it just smacks of indiscipline. And I just wonder whether or not Andy Rees lost this group. I don't know. I mean, it's just maybe one instance, but it does get you thinking, doesn't it?
0: No, it does. I mean, if if you get instances like that and you hear, if you hear like locker room stories or anything like that, you'll, you'll begin to wonder what the mentality of the team is and whether or not the coach actually has lost him. And if he has then maybe mm-hmm. I fear for his job at the end of the season. It, it, that's the way you have to look at it. When the, yep. when the team is, isn't is performing and you appear to have lost the locker room, you know, the coach is going to be the first person to go. The coach will be held accountable for that, whether yep. or not it is actually his fault or not, is, is neither here nor there. Yeah. But the Chiefs are an interesting one. I mean, the LSU West rays is going to be fascinating because every week there seems to be a game that could potentially affect that playoff scenario. I do agree that's about true. the Titans and the Jags as well. I mean, I find it kind of strange where actually finally sitting here talking about a Jags playoff team and the thing is we're talking about as a playoff team but Blake Bortles is probably the biggest reason that they could potentially not be a playoff team but they're gonna they're gonna get in there but Bortles really is not the answer for them at quarterback
1: no I don't I think I think we all you know we're aware of that he's more of a game manager but I think he's, you know his confidence has been growing over the over recent weeks but I think the the big key for for Jacksonville at the start of the year was uh, picking up Calais Campbell uh, from Arizona I mean he's an absolute monster I mean you ever stood next to the guy he's like six foot seven tall and uh, he's a very intimidating guy but very humble with it he's a really nice fella actually um, but he, he's been an absolute monster for them and, and that defense you know top-ranked defense in the NFL at the moment um, that'll take him a long way uh so it'd be good to see them there tennessee i mean they're, they're a fault for me if, if ever there's a false team going into the playoffs it's tennessee yeah so I, I think you know that they'll be the first round fodder um and we'll see what happens but um yeah tennessee in a false position it's a shame really because there's a lot of you know, very average afc this year outside of um yeah. outside of uh, Patriots and, and Steelers, as always.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think again, it's fascinating, but maybe for the wrong reasons. We're sitting here, you know, look at glued to a race over three, six, and six teams as they Stand I know. At the
1: incredible with the Dolphins. <laughs> you know, just a game behind. It's it's mad, and they're, they're sort of like the thirteenth seed, I think, at the moment. It's uh, something along those lines. Oh, Sorry about that, the 11th seed. But uh, even the Jets are the Jets are above them, which is uh, which is quite strange. The Jets can still get in the in the playoffs. They're, they're only a sort of a game out of you know, a six and six, uh, you know, they, they've obviously got to catch the Titans and the Jaguars who are both eight and four. Uh, but, uh, you know, that that last, if, if they were in the AFC uh, West, um, you know, they'd be right in the thick of things. No, absolutely. But anyway, what about the NFC playoffs? Let's
0: go, let's go to the NFC. I mean, it's been a, a fascinating week this weekend in the NFC. You know, you've had six of the seven, top seven teams in the NFC playing against each other. So that's kind of, you know, shaking things up a little bit. And we'll start at the top. You've got Minnesota... And Philadelphia. Now, I'm quite all in on Minnesota to some extent. I think they are a really good football team. I kind of get a lot of abuse for saying that, whereas I'm not so high on the Eagles.
1: Mm. Where do you No, stand we, e- those Eagles have had a much softer schedule, to be fair. I think, and and you know, they, they're not not in a forced position by any means. They're playing playing well on both sides of the ball. But you know, can you know, you can only beat what's put in front of you. Yeah. But I think the Vikings are a better all round team. I'd grant you that. I mean, they, you know, they've still got to play at the Panthers. Um, they've got to go to the Packers and the Bears. But they you know, they're all winnable games. They have got Bengals as well. So Vikings, I think, will stay you know, stay in that number one seed. Now they've they've jumped above the Eagles uh, after the Eagles' loss on uh, Monday, uh, whenever it was. Yeah. Uh, Sunday night to, uh, um, to Seattle. Um, but the Eagles never travel well to Seattle anyway. So I think they've lost you know, three of the last four there. So it's uh, West coast trips, not an easy thing to do for the Eagles. Um, and the, you know, the Eagles they've, you know, they've got to play the Rams this weekend. Admittedly, they've got to play the giants, but they always play them tight. Um, Raiders and Cowboys, you know, Raiders are still in the mix. Cowboys probably aren't, but you never know. I mean, they're, you know, they're the 10th seed at the moment. Um, so, they're going to face some tough, you know, tough opposition in the next, uh, next month or so the Eagles. Um, but uh, you know, obviously it's, it's sort of shaping up <laughs> really any, you know, the, the more fascinating conference is obviously the, you know, the NFC for me. I mean, you've, you've got the likes of the saints and the Rams and the Panthers and the Seahawks, you know, don't discount the Falcons either. um, I don't know which way I'm going. I mean, the Panthers face the Vikings this weekend. I mean, it's pivotal for for the Panthers to win that. Um, you know, they they can beat the Bucks and the Packers, but it could come down to a winner take all uh, final day in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, the Falcons have got the Saints twice. They can also beat the Bucks. So I think that you know it would be fascinating if it came right down to a Week 17 clash in Atlanta between the Panthers and Atlanta to get the you know the final wild card spot. Um, the Rams. I mean, they've. Um, they can win one of two against the Eagles and the Seahawks, and then they'll take the you know, take the uh, the NFC West. Um, and like I say, the Seahawks still have to face the Jaguars and the Cowboys, uh, the Rams and the Cardinals. So, I mean, for me, it's it's two from the NFC South. I think the Saints will go through, and I think the Falcons will, will uh, sneak it as well. And um, I think the Seahawks could be the ones that miss out. I don't know about you, Steve. What do you think? Sorry, I've rambled on again. <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> it's interesting for me because I think when I take a look at what's left, I mean, as I say, I mean, we can. You've got the Vikings, Eagles, fine. Rams are fine. I think the Saints are absolutely fine because I think they finally figured out how much damage that they could do offensively. I mean, we had the problem at the start of the season. The whole Adrian Peterson experiment really didn't work. I think offensively they're firing on all cylinders. I don't have a problem now. I think defensively they're always going to be some sort of issue now and again. It is about what's left. It is about the Seahawks, Panthers, and Falcons. And for me, I think the Falcons are going to miss out because of those two games against the Saints. I can see them obviously going mm-hmm. into Tampa Bay and winning that game. But mm-hmm. then they then even if they lose the Saints, they're going to have to beat Carolina to even get to nine wins. If I look at nine mm-hmm. wins, as kind of like a yardstick. Mm-hmm. Carolina, for me, they will beat Green Bay and Tampa Bay. That'll put them on 10 wins, even if they lose at home to Minnesota. The Seahawks will, I think, probably lose to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. The Rams is a bit of a a toss-up game but it's at home so you kind of give the edge to seattle Mm -hmm. at dallas i still fancy seattle in that game and at home to arizona i think you've got to pencil that as a win so i can see the seahawks and the panthers get into 10 wins no matter what happens in that final game of the regular season which would be fascinating for all of us to watch
1: Mm. It's always fun to. Watch that's like fair enough, and I think that's position. absolutely fair enough. I, I, it is a toss-up, but I'm just actually, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a closet Falcons fan as well as a Dolphins <laughs> fan. So uh, it's, it's, you know, I, and my son's actually a Seahawks fan. So um, you know, I, there could be a little bit of needle going on there <laughs> just after Christmas. But we'll see. <laughs>
0: but I think it's, it's it's actually fascinating for for a completely different reason. You could have a scenario here where a team is going to win nine games and they're probably not going to make the playoffs you've mm, got to get is, to those 10 you, wins so it's in the AFC a,
1: a 6 and 6 know. at yeah. the moment team can get through yeah yeah.
0: I mean, it's, you could get to 8 wins and that could be perfectly yeah. enough over in the AFC but I, for me I think the Falcons are going to be the ones that just miss out which made that game this weekend against Minnesota extremely important yes it me, did
1: yeah it looked like a must win for them yeah. but uh and you know it, if they beat the panthers it could all change you know it just, just totally depends i think there a lot you know the key key is this this weekend's game for them they've got to win that
0: no they've got to win that they've got to get at least a Lisa split against the saints that that is something they will have to do going forward i mean the saints i mean they they close out their season series against the panthers beat them twice which again says a lot about them as a football team going forward so mm. let's put your neck on the line come on in simon what's your super bowl prediction
1: Oh, Super Bowl prediction. Well, at the start of the season, I said the Steelers and Green Bay. So my Green Bay, you know, went out on uh, on a broken collarbone. So um, I think it will still be the Steelers. Somehow they will actually play up to their opposition as well as playing down to their opposition. And they will beat the Patriots in the uh, AFC Championship game. And it's a tough one. I'd, uh oh you know what, I'm going to stick my neck on the block and say the Falcons, even though they might not even get into the playoffs. I think if they get into the playoffs, they're going to do some damage.
0: See, for me, as much as it pains me to say as a Dolphins fan, I think it will be mm. the Patriots. And the Patriots right. will beat Pittsburgh if they have to in an AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. I think the NFC is a fascinating one. And I kind of look at this from a point of view of that I will go with the quarterback that has the most experience in the playoffs. And I think they finally figured everything out. And for Mm. me, I fancy the Saints. And it's going to be heartbreak for Minnesota because I think Minnesota will lose in the NFC Championship game at home, which could potentially (laughs) have got them to the Super Bowl at home as well.
1: Funny enough, I had them losing to the to the Packers in their own backyard uh, in the in the uh, at the start of the season. That was where I was going to go with that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't discount the Saints have done brilliantly. I think a lot to, a lot to, you know, but it depends on a lot of their injuries at the moment. I think uh, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, the cornerback, has been absolutely outstanding yeah. for them. He's he's been injured. Um, you've also got Alex Okie which uh, you know that's a big loss for them as well. That's their pass rush, can Cameron Jordan, an ex Dolphin Cameron Jordan, I have to say, yeah. uh, can he? Basically, get enough pressure up front. I think that's that's going to be the issue with the Saints long term. It's uh, you know with oq four done for the year. Uh, it's whether or not um, you know whether or not they can get enough players back. But I think that you know bringing in Mike Nolan to to coach the linebackers has been an absolute uh, yeah. masterstroke. Uh, Mike Nolan's a great great coach, and I think he'll be you know he'll, he'll certainly have his shot at um getting a head coaching role again at some point soon so uh, that's for me it's the Saints defense has, has been absolutely outstanding this year as we saw at Wembley against the yeah. Dolphins
0: <laughs> yeah keep going one-
1: back to the Dolphins it's sad isn't it
0: yeah we we're we'll still going about that I think even when the Super Bowl there we'll still be sitting there oh <laughs> no I'll be wearing my Dolphins jersey when I'm watching the Super Bowl I don't care <laughs> <laughs>
1: you <a> sad man <laughs> I'm not gonna go that far <laughs>
0: Just before we let you go, Simon, it's been a big week in college football. The the rankings are out. We've got the playoff scenarios all set up. There are some upset people around how these teams have been shaken out. And we've got it as it's set as it is now. So you've got Clemson against Bama. You've got Oklahoma Mm -hmm. against Georgia. Did they get it right or Ohio State fans got something to say about
1: this? No, they've got it absolutely right. I mean, you look at Ohio State, they, they beat undefeated Wisconsin and won the big 10 championship as we expected they would do. Um, you know, Wisconsin had a pretty easy run, hadn't played anybody. Um, Bama was ranked ahead of Ohio State every single week. I mean, flat out, they're a better football team. You can't expect to lose to Iowa by 31 points and expect to be in the playoffs. I mean, Ohio State lost 55-24 against them. Um, It's not even remotely similar to Alabama's loss at Auburn or even Clemson's loss to Syracuse. So, you know... In all honesty, um, and even given, you know, given the schedule, I would still even have Auburn, never mind Alabama. I'd have Auburn ranked above Ohio State, even though they lost both to Clemson and uh, and simply ran out of gas uh, in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Um, You know, Alabama has the name. Schedule was soft. Um, Ohio State. Yes, they can turn around and say, well, Alabama, it didn't even win its own division, never mind its own conference but um yeah i, th- I think uh, given the name given the given what they've been through they are the most consistent team uh, and certainly more than ohio state um and, uh, yeah, Clemson, Alabama, part three, real mouth-watering game for the Sugar Bowl. And um, Georgia against Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. I bet you're going to ask me who I fancy now, aren't you?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's just, like just a touch on a couple of points here. I mean, going back to some of these losses, I mean, Clemson against Syracuse, that's where Kelly Bryant was injured. You know, mm. that, that's a massive loss for them. He's been excellent since he's come back from that. So for me, Clemson, you know, they're in a third consecutive playoff, second consecutive number one overall seed. So they're rightly there. Bam, I think you have got some sort of an argument bearing in mind they didn't actually play in the SEC championship game but Mm -hmm. the SEC we know how strong it is you can look at some of the wins they beat Florida State when they were ranked three they beat LSU beat Mississippi State Mm -hmm. the road loss against Auburn that's when Auburn were just unreal in November see again you you look at that it's a very very tough loss you know you look at the standard of competition that's what college football is all about is the strength of schedule at that particular Mm -hmm. moment in time for me that Iowa State 31-point loss did so much damage to Ohio State that you you mm. cannot at the moment consider them as part of that. I think, as well as you, I think they've got this incredibly right. I mean, Georgia obviously vaulted themselves into the playoff scenario by beating Auburn in the SEC Championship game.
1: Yeah, I but think- there again, you, you look at that, and I mean, I was, I was in... Uh- I was down in Auburn watching that game against Georgia. Uh, I was lucky enough to go there. And um, first of all, i never heard such noise in my life. 83, <laughs> 83,000 people screaming their heads off. Georgia were ranked one and uh, they were absolutely blown away by Auburn and Auburn just basically ran out of gas. They got a lot of injuries. Um, when they played Alabama, they beat, you know, they beat Alabama um, to, to, to go into the you know number two spot. And then they come up against Georgia again when they've, they've lost basically, you know, the, the, one of the best uh, college football players uh, going in their running back. Um, they, they had a couple of injuries; they were just banged up. So, I, you know, I still think Alabama are uh, uh, Alabama are the team to beat. Uh, but uh, I, I think Auburn, you know, a fit Auburn would have, um, you know, should have been should have been capable of beating Georgia a second time. Yeah. But uh, like I say, the, the schedule didn't help them. You know, they've, they've had to play three really tough games in the space of uh, four weeks.
0: No, it's just one of those unfortunate things, and that is is college football. So, yeah, you're right, Simon. I am going to ask you who's (laughs) going to win these two games, and then who's going to win the big one.
1: Uh, Okay. Um, Clemson, Alabama, part three, Sugar Bowl. Uh, I think Alabama beats Clemson, and I think Oklahoma will beat Georgia. Um, And then... Alabama beats Oklahoma in the championship game. There you go. The bowl season starts December the sixteenth. Forty-one bowl games to save us, Steve. But those are the those are obviously the two the two semifinals are the ones we're all going to be keeping an eye on.
0: No, absolutely. You know, during that time, I won't I won't sleep whatsoever. But I, let, <laughs> let me put my neck on the line for a minute. I, I cannot, with all good conscience, say that Bam are going to beat Clemson. I'm going to go with Clemson, and I'm going to go with with Oklahoma and I do then fancy Clemson to win the big game but it's going to be an enthralling bowl season obviously highlighted by the the national championship game when we get to that point but that just about wraps up today's podcast I just want to thank Simon so much for joining me and where can the listeners find some of your wonderful football analysis um,
1: <laughs> I don't know about the wonderful football analysis, but certainly football analysis every week on YouTube. Uh, find the sports heads; you'll find uh, some NBA stuff, terrific NBA stuff with your good self, Stephen, and uh, also Cecil, Marty, and the likes of Mike Carlson, uh, myself, and a few other guests as well. Um, every week on YouTube, you find it. The sports heads have a look and see what you can see what you think of it, and let us know
0: yeah no absolutely it's always a, a pleasure i sometimes get a chance to uh, listen into to some of what the nfl chat is that's going on and I say yeah, i do the nba stuff but for now you can find me on twitter at talk steve and you can find the podcast at paul's bats parks but until next time that's all from me